Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. I want you to put your hands together for the woman of God, Dr. Cindy Trim. Super excited, probably overexcited about this particular um, series that we're on in spiritual maturation. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that your life is going to change because even as I studied and prepared and prayed, my life changed so much as well. And I'm so grateful to God to have the opportunity to share something that revolutionized my life. And I know that it will revolutionize your life as well. So let's just pray and ask God that he would uh, ask God to bless our time together around the word of God. Our Father and our God will give you praise and honor and glory for the time that you have allotted us for those that are gathering around the word of God so that we could study and excavate those truths and the pearls of revelation and principles that will revolutionize our lives and help us to live for you on purpose with purpose. I pray that you would think through my mind. Speak through my lips. Let there be none of me and all of you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go directly to the word of God. We're going to be preaching from out of the book of 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. We have talked about uh, three different stages of spiritual maturation. And today we want to talk about the fourth stage of spiritual maturation. Peter encouraged the believers to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It was John that really encouraged us to understand that now we are the sons of God. And there are eight stages of sonship or eight stages of spiritual maturation. And we've talked about the Gester stage, which is the stage um, of incubation. The second stage is Tikto. It's the stage of covenant or bonding. The third stage is the stage of, um, uh, 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 and I'm so excited. Uh, uh, what's the one? Pedion. <laughs> I'm too excited. So there are eight stages of spiritual maturation. We have gone through the uh, actual first stage, which is Gester. The second stage is Tikto, and we know that Tikto has to do with bonding and covenant. The third stage is Padion. And that's the stage between zero and three. This is an important stage because we learn about the grace of God, how to access access the grace of God. And it's really the responsibility of your spiritual leader, your spiritual mother or father, really to teach you how to understand the importance of grace. We are in a dispensation of grace. And the most amazing things happen when you learn how to access the grace. Grace to me is like uh, freedom. Um, you could give someone freedom, but they could still be in bondage because it's one thing to recognize it. It's another thing to access it and then to actualize it. And so the grace has to be accessed so that it can be actualized in your life. But the next stage of spiritual maturation after the third stage is a very important stage. And it's the stage of Pais, the stage of Pais. And this is the fourth stage of spiritual maturation. So let's go to the book of um, Corinthians and let's see if we can really excavate this particular stage. Even as God gives you an understanding of spiritual maturation, I want to make sure that you are actually going into this stage and understanding it. Now, um, did I say Pais? Yes. 
All right. <laughs> we are going into the fourth stage of spiritual maturation, which is napios. This is a very important stage. And if you would go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, and we're going to find our text there. Now, in this particular text, Paul is really addressing the Corinthian or the Corinthian church. The Corinthians were known as gifted and talented individuals. They moved in the gifts of the spirit. But one of the things that they lacked, they lacked the maturity to go with the, 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 um, the gifts that they had been given. And so there was a lot of infighting and a lot of, um, you know, uh, me, big chief, you little Indian kind of negotiations that were going on. And Paul had to address them. Yes, you're gifted. Yes, you're talented. And that is chapter 12 and chapter 14. But smack in the middle of chapter 12 and chapter 14, you have chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. But he was actually addressing them on the issue of spiritual maturation. Paul said in verse number 11, very important, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now that word child is that word napios, napios, not nappy head, but napios, <laughs> amen? And that word napios means unskilled, unsophisticated, and unlearned. Now napios doesn't mean that you're not gifted or talented, but you're not mature enough to handle those gifts in such a way that it would cause the body of Christ to increase. So you're gifted, you're talented, yes, but are you matured in the things of the Lord, which is very important. Now, nepios is is different from pedion. Pedion is zero to about two. Nepios will take you to three to six. So if we're looking at the natural um, development of an individual, that napios will be between the ages of three to six. Now, we know the word napios because we get that English word nepotism from out of there. And when we talk about nepotism, nepotism is a practice um, uh, in the business world where those that have power or those that have influence or authority they favor their relatives, especially uh, relatives or friends who may not have the capacity, but they, they're fond of them and they give them these jobs and positions without regard to qualifications and skills. So this is nepotism. So one of the spirits that will fight this stage of spiritual growth and development is spiritual nepotism where we like the person, so we put them in position. They're not qualified, they're not skilled, and they really make a mess because they're not mature enough at the, to, to handle the responsibility of leadership or the responsibility that goes with that role or the position that they have been placed in. Paul said, look, when I was, when I was a nepios, you knew I was a nepios because of how I spoke, and how I thought. And this is important. Your speech and your thinking is going to expose your level of maturity. And so if a person is matured and if they are refined, their speech is gonna be different than a person that is immatured and unrefined. So at this stage, this means that you are going to be under two things. You're gonna have to be under a tutor, or, and a governor, a tutor and a governor. Look at Galatians chapter four, verses one to four. Galatians four, verses one to four. The scripture says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, as long as he is a napias, that's that Greek word, napias, as long as he is a napias, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. This is uh, Galatians chapter four, verses one to four. 
Verse number two, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in, in bondage under the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. That's that word, we us, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that we're under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And that word is weasthesis. You are son placed. So when you get to the story of the prodigal son, he was a weas, but he was not son placed. So the prodigal son was prodigal because he was immature and because he was unrefined and he was ignorant. So he had inheritance, but his father didn't want to give him access to the inheritance because he was not mature enough. And the Bible said, it is God that determines your level of maturity, not me, not your sister, not your cousin, not your brother. It is God that determines that level of maturity. And there are so many people that are gifted and talented and they run out too quickly and then they end up being a shipwreck in ministry. They're shooting stars and they're, they're navigating and negotiating in realms that they don't have the spiritual muscles to be sustained in. And so I remember my spiritual father in his wisdom. I was gifted, yes. I was talented, yes. I was called, yes. But everyone else, he promoted in ministry. He licensed them. He credentialed them. He ordained them. But he made me wait. And not only did I not understand, the, the people around me didn't understand because basically I was young. I was 18 when I started ministry. And at 18, I was an international minister, minister and I ministered internationally. So I've been ministering internationally since I was 18. But when I would come home, he would, he, he would become my governor and my tutor. And um, I only understand now his wisdom. In hindsight, I was too young in the ministry to understand what God had instructed him to do. And you see, God does not give you pastors after your heart. He gives you pastors after his heart. And there is a difference. What you have in your heart is different from what God has in, in his heart. And he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything about you. And so what God wanted to do, he wanted to put me under this man of God. So where, where my other, my other um, colleagues preach less than what I did, they might have preached two or three times a year. I was preaching every month. I was preaching internationally. They had not preached in internationally, but yet God gave me this amazing man of God and he had the right personality for me. And I'll explain it. I'm a go-getter. I'm a self-starter. And I usually don't ask anyone permission other than God to do what I had to do, but I had to learn how to submit. And then I had to learn how to respect and honor authority because I was born in uh, 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 or, or grew up in a single parent home and my father was missing. Well, I didn't, I, it was unnatural for me to submit to anybody. Why? Because I had uh, six other siblings and brother, uh, siblings and pretty much uh, we grew up very structured in a structured home, in a very stable home. My home was stable. It was very structured. We knew what time we went to bed. We knew what time to get up. We knew, we just, my mother just created a very structured, a very disciplined environment for, for me. And this is very important as we talk about it because it's at this stage, this particular stage, Napia stage, where discipline is going to be important. Now, there's a difference between discipline and abuse. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between discipline and beating. What my spirit, what my mother in the natural provided was a disciplined home. So that means that I didn't get beaten a lot. I think I got spanked once and it lasted me all my life. I'm still traumatized. <laughs> and, and, but what my mother did was she created a discipline environment with, time, with, with timetables, with responsibilities. And then what she did, my mother didn't beat. She didn't scare. She didn't use scare tactics. What she did... She, she taught us cause and effect and consequences. So she would give instructions and then she would say, if you are disobedient, 
here's the consequences. So that means if we were disobedient and there were consequences, it wasn't because my mother wanted to meet the consequences, it's because I wanted the consequences. And she showed me at a young age, there were cause and effect for everything and for every action, there's a consequence. Do not curse the consequence, change your actions. And I learned from a young age to be 100% responsible for everything that my mother or 100% responsi responsible for all my actions. So I learned that in my first house. Now in the second house, which is my spiritual house, my father was a very austere man. He was very serious. He was very disciplined. He didn't play. He was no joke. And, um, and I, I loved him. And um, there were many, many people that didn't understand his apostolic ministry and his apostolic anointing. If you are sitting under an apostle, they don't play. Now, if, if you're sitting under a pastor and the devil beat you upside of your head, the pastor is going to, you know, bond you up and, 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 and say, bad devil. But an apostle would say, didn't I tell you not to do that? Now you deserved it. Yeah. And that's it. Go and pray. Yeah. And that's all you're going to get. That's the apostle. Are you with me? Apostle is different from a prophet. A prophet would say, I see the devil approaching. A teacher would say, these are 10 ways to avoid the devil. An evangelist will say, I know by the grace of God, you are going to overcome all the attack of the devil. You know, they're going to get you all hyped up. But an apostle says, listen, these are the consequences. And if you come back, then, you know, you're going to have to deal with that between you and God. And that's it. And so I was under an apostolic anointing. Why was that important? Was because I grew up without a father. So there were different areas of discipline that I wasn't wired to understand. So God selected the right pastor for me. And sitting under there, I received the spiritual discipline from a male covering that I didn't get in my first house. And this is important. And so he was very... Um, uh, uh, his personality was, was, uh, very direct. He was, uh, he didn't have a sanguine. He was very chol choleric. Paul was a choleric personality. He was in your face and that's the kind of leader I had. And that's the kind of leader that I need. And there was never a day except once that he made me cry. Cause I'm not really a cry baby. Right. But when it comes to discipline, this level, this nepios requires great supervision. So you are going to be under a supervisory stage. And, and, and those of us that are in leadership, we have to be careful that just because a person is gifted, a person is talented, and we like them, that we are not guilty of spiritual nepotism. Now, Ryan has been with me since he was 17 years old. He's a great preacher, a great preacher, but, but, because he was assigned to me, God had to speak to me about this amazing gift that he was bringing to the fore. And never in a million years would he have thought that he would be the executive director of Cindy Trim Ministry. He's the grand poobah. Even I have to submit to him. He says, show up at three o'clock. I got to be there at three o'clock. Are you with me? So, so this, this amazing young man, and there were times I thought we should bring him on now. But the timing was not, he felt it, I felt it, but the timing was not right. And had I bought him one before, because he was gifted and talented, I would have aborted the process that God was doing in his life. Are you with me? So you, you don't put a person in position without conferring with God, because the discipline has to come. And the discipline is not easy. I'm going to tell you it's not easy because when God places you in a position where you're touching nations, that means that the warfare is going to come from those nations. And if you are not disciplined in your mind and your spirit to begin to understand what warfare looks like, because I'm going to tell you when God begins to elevate you, the warfare is not obvious. 
You see, when you're at a lower stage, it's obvious, oh, that's the devil. But as God increases you in the things of the Lord, when the enemy fights you, it almost sounds as if it's your own thoughts. And you've got to be careful. You see, I see a lot of people who believe they know spiritual warfare, and I tell them, you don't have it yet. Because you think that some of those thoughts are actually coming from you, when in fact, I can see that they're coming from the enemy. And, and, and I've been there. I've been there where I thought, oh, these are my thoughts. These are my feelings until the Holy Spirit had to train me to say, those are not your thoughts. Those are not your feelings. And if you act on them, you are going to sabotage your own ministry. Are you with me? So it takes a lot of discipline. And this Napier stage is important. You remember the disciples where their mother came and said, look, my sons have been serving you for these last three years. They gave up everything. And when you come into your, the, the kingdom, put one on the left and right, one on the right. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, it is not mine to give them. Even though I'm the Messiah, it is God that determines who's going to be where. It is not my call. Are you with me? And when it comes to ministry, it is not my call. It is God's call. And whether whether I like them or I don't like them is inconsequential. What does God want? And as you are maturing in the things of the Lord and he is maturing you as a leader, you cannot look at the outward appearance. God said to Samuel, I know you want to select this one, but that ain't the one. That ain't the one. The one that you will not select. That's my man. Everyone in here, I decree that you're a David. People may not see your greatness now, but you're anointed to rise to the top and you're anointed for for dominion. And if he anointed you, then you have to submit to a governor and a tutor. So Paul said, when I was a child, my speech betrayed me. My thoughts betrayed me and and my understanding. I didn't have understanding. He said, my speech, my thoughts, my understanding. So understanding, just because you are sitting under revelation doesn't mean that you have the understanding of it. Because if your context is wrong, your conclusion is wrong. Even though you might understand the teaching, if you don't have the proper context, if the context is religious, if the context is not a kingdom context, that means that these governors and tutors that God is going to put you in front of, it's going to stretch your paradigm. It's about capacity building and character building. Write that down. The Bible says that, that in Galatians, he said, I know you're here. As long as he is a child, differing nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed by the father. And so if you are under leadership or spiritual parent, the responsibility is important. Number one, they are responsible for discipline, not beating, not abusing, not causing you to be afraid. None of my staff are afraid of me. If, if my staff are afraid of me, it's something wrong with me. They are not afraid of me. They must respect me, but I don't want them to fear me. Why? Because my job is to duplicate and replicate and leave them as a legacy. Are you with me? So inheritance or a, an inheritance is what you leave. A legacy is who you leave. So if you if you leave uh, individuals behind that are abusive, that means the next group of people are going to be abused by them because abusers abuse the abused, abuse the abused, abuse. So you 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 want healthy relationships and healthy relationships are not built on fear. You see, if you cause people to be afraid of you, they're going to obey you as long as you're there. But when you're gone, they're going to do their own thing. You don't want people or you don't want your sons and daughters to be passive aggressive. Mm 
When you are gone, you want them to be functioning um, respectfully, responsibly, um, according to the, the prescribed procedures, according to the instruction. You want them to, to be responsible in that way. But you don't, you, you see, you can't raise people that are afraid of you and they're going to be acting one way as long as you're there. And when you're gone, when the cat's away, the, 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 the mice play. You, you want them to be operating the same way without you as they would with you. So this takes discipline. Now, let's look at discipline. In uh, the sport Olympics, you've got the best and the brightest. The best and the brightest go to the Olympics, right? And they're only best and brightest, not because they're better than everybody else, because there are other people that may be more gifted. But these individuals have been disciplined. In other words, there has been an environment and a course of action that they've been instructed to observe and embrace to bring the best out of them. So the environment is set and the structure is such that their giftings are polished. So when we talk about discipline, we're talking about structuring an environment and an atmosphere and a cause of action that brings the best out of a person. In other words, those people that end up in the Olympics, there were things that they do not do for four years as they are training for the Olympics that everybody else could do. And so instead of doing this in this stage, you do this, you restrict them. So others can but you cannot. Why? Because of where God is taking you. So while other people are playing, you are praying. When other people are feasting, you are fasting. Are you with me? You can, all things are lawful, but not expedient. So this is the stage where God goes like this. And it feels like you're being restricted. Those that are being restricted, you can either complain about the discipline or you could cooperate it, cooperate with it. When my spiritual father was doing this and he was making requiring requirements of me, I saw everybody else doing this. So why I got to do this? Because I had more to lose. I was the one with the global ministry. And even though I wasn't in this place, I had the potential. So God then was testing my motive. Why do you want to be in ministry? And when the enemy comes, are you going to walk out on your assignment? When people misunderstand you, are you going to walk out on your assignment? Are you with me? When you're betrayed, are you going to walk out on your assignment? Or are you going to stand still? If your other colleagues are doing this or doing that, are you going to remain prayerful? Are you going to be honest? Are you going to have integrity? Are you, are, are, are you going to be, you know, a model? Are you going to live what you preach when the door is closed? And when there's nobody else around, it's all about integrity. You don't know what you're going to do until your your freedom is restricted because the real you is going to come out. I'm very anointed. So if you're around me, who you are is going to come out. You're not going to be able to hide. Whoever you are is going to come out. That is my anointing. But I don't want you to be afraid for what is coming out because I'd rather have it come out to help you to overcome it than it to be stuffed in there so that when God elevates you and you are on a public stage, it comes out then and your ministry is destroyed. So, so your leader and your spiritual parents is responsible for providing discipline. Number two, providing guidance in the proper use of gifts and talents and ability. This is an instructional state or stage and a didactic. You're going to learn. So, so one of the things about this Nepia stage is they, they, they just talk a lot. They babble, right? They just, they just run off and, you know, 
my, my teacher did this and my and, and, and it's all and not related. There's no comfy confidentiality. If you take a three to six year old, they talk about everything. My daddy, my mother, they talk about stuff they shouldn't talk about. And they talk about. Let me let me tell you something. You know, a person that is in Napius, especially if you're in business, those of you that are business owners, when you hire people and you have a non-compete clause, a non-compete and confidentiality that people sign, you know, they got to understand the power of intellectual property. So you, you can't just run out and, and give everybody the secret sauce to Colonel Saunders. Oh, I worked at Colonel Saunders, and here's the seven herbs and spices. You know, you can't take Coca-Cola's intellectual property. But Anapias will take all the intellectual property and share it with all the competition until the enemy has a source to destroy. So you're going to learn confidentiality. You're going to learn how to protect what God is doing in the house. And it takes a lot to show a three to six year old. You don't run out and talk about mommy and daddy's business. You, you have to learn. And it takes a lot of discipline. The, the Corinthian church was just immature. And Paul had to challenge them. You have no maturity. You're gifted. Yes, but you have no maturity. And so now in writing this, it's important because Paul, uh, Paul says to the Galatians church, when you should be mature and when you should be accessing your inheritance, you can. Why? Because although this is your inheritance, you are not mature enough to handle it. So he said in verse number two, you're going to be under tutors and governors until the, the time appointed by the father. Even so, we when we were children. We're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son. For unto us a, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God is not going to give you to the world if you're still a child. If you're still an Apios, you are not mounting a, a, a global stage in the name of God. Are you with me? You can send yourself, but God is not going to send you. And you know, this is where you're going to be tested. So I've seen so many people sabotage their own future for greatness because someone whispered in, in their ears, you could sing better than anybody in the choir. Why doesn't the choir leader give you the lead? And they whisper because they don't know the process and the procedure of maturation. Sometimes God will pull you to the back, even though you may be even more qualified. He may, he may not promote you. He may not advance you because he's testing your motive. You see, motive is something I can't see. Motive is something that only God can see. Secondly, is testing your intention. So God had to test my motive, test. Why do you want to preach? Why do you want to be on stage? Why do you want that license? And I had to sit year after year after year until my spiritual father said, now we're going to license you. Everybody else went ahead. I was the one with the international ministry. They were the ones that didn't have the international ministry and they all got promoted and I was still waiting. Why? And I'm so glad for the wisdom of that man of God, because even though I thought I was ready, I wasn't. I still had some napios in me. I still wanted to tell people off. Are you with me? I had the nappy and I could handle myself. I handle my business. I've been handling my business since I was uh, eight years old. When I got my first business, I've been handling my business ever since I was eight. So, you know, by the time I'm 18, I'm woman. And God said, in whose kingdom? You're still a Nephios. And you've got to learn spiritually. And so God placed me under a governor and a tutor. Now, God might give you one person as your governor and tutor, or he might give you a governor and tutor. All right. Now, when you're under a tutor, this is a pedagogue. And a pedagogue is one who is responsible for instructing, enlightening, enlightening, training, illuminating, and facilitating an appetite for learning and maturing so that they create the capacity. They can develop, you can develop the skill. Your gifts can be refined and your talents can be exposed. So this is your teacher. A teacher... Uh, gives you tests, 
a teacher develops your capacity and they develop the, your capacity to learn. So I'm a student of the word of God. And so every day I have to have my own devotions, even though I spend five to eight hours just about every day studying, I still have to, uh, beyond the five to eight hours uh, I dedicate to studying, I still have to have my own devotions. So it's one thing for me to feed you, but it's yet another thing for me to be fed. And so a tutor will help you to maintain the appetite to learn from the Holy Spirit. Now, a governor is different. You need tutors and governors. A tutor is going to build the intellectual, the spiritual muscles. But a governor is there to build character, virtue, morals, and to refine your personality. So this is going to be an important stage because Paul said, when I was a Napias, I, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I, 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 I thought as a child, but, but, but now I become a man. In other words, I had to put away childish things when I grew up. The way that you know that you are mature and out of the Napier stage is when you no longer have to pray aside, you put aside. You see, you, you, you don't use prayer as a crutch. You say, God, I don't have to have a, 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 a 10 years of fasting to know that this behavior is not becoming a mature man or woman of God. I'm going to put it aside. Are you with me? There are certain things in your life that you pray aside and other things you put aside. You just drop it. Turn to your neighbor and say, drop it. You just, you just drop it. You know it's not working. Get rid of it. Just stop it. Drop it and stop it. Just give it up. Give it up. It's not working. The way you treat people, the way you act, what you do secretly. There are things that you say, this is not godly. I'm not going to do it anymore. And you just drop it. You turn the TV off. You turn the internet off. You just drop it. Are you with me? So in this stage, you're going to know what to drop. Now, the word napias is this interesting Greek word means not able to speak. In other words, you don't have nothing to say about what God does. You, You can't weigh in. It means that you have nothing to say in the matter of your tutelage. You can't weigh in. You can't say, well, I'm only going to be here this long and no further. No, you're a Napias. You don't have nothing to say in this matter. Are you getting it? You don't weigh in. A a, a three to six year old don't weigh in. I don't want to go to bed. You are going to bed because it's nine o'clock at night. I don't want to eat vegetables. I don't. You are going to eat vegetables. Why? Because mine is to develop the appetite for healthy living. Are you with me? I don't want to go to school. You are going to school. You have nothing to say in this matter. You're only three to six. You're a napias. You do what you're told. And you got to trust your parents. You got to trust your leaders. You don't weigh in. Is, you know, you don't, you look, if God gives your leader an instruction for you, you can't go and say, let me pray about it. What you going to pray about it? God already spoke. Who you going to pray to? If your leader said, God directed me to tell you, well, let me pray about it. Are you with me? You don't have nothing to say in this matter. When children are at this stage, there's a great amount of respect they have for authority and trust in parents. Parents are almost like, you know, it. And they say things, when I grow up, I want to be like my daddy. When I grow up, I want to be like my mama. They have this respect and they have this awe. And the fivefold ministry gifts become your tutors and your governors, the fivefold ministry gifts. The Bible said that he gave some prophets, some um, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors, teachers 
and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saint, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. The fivefold ministry is there to help you to matriculate through the Napia stage, the Napias. And that's your fourth stage. Let's go deeper. Now, um, it's interesting because Jesus had to matriculate through this stage too. He had to learn how to submit. And God wants to give you that mentality. Look at Philippians 2, 1 to 11. The scripture says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort in love, any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy and ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. The Napias begins to develop the mentality of Christ, the maturity of Christ. Verse number three, let, let nothing be done in strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem um, the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So Anapias is, it, it, they become very possessive, mine, you know, between uh, three and six, they're possessive. And everything has to revolve around, around, around them. How many of you have had uh, three and six-year-olds? And you know how they get, right? Mine, mine, my, my daddy, my, 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 this. Uh, and, 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 and at that stage, they, they, they almost want to start telling you what, what to do. Because they have a sense like, oh, I'm gifted, I'm talented. But, but they, 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 you're not ready yet. You have nothing to say. I remember one of my staff members, I was talking to uh, their parent, her, her mother. And her mother said, you know, my daughter has always been, you know, very strong, and, but, but a sweet little girl. But when she was around about six, Napias, her mother said, you know, you're going to have to start cleaning your room and I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And this is your responsibility. So she said, my daughter looked up to me and said, if I'm doing all of this, what you going to do? When do I have a time to tell you what to do? And this, she was about six years old. She was a napias. And her mother said, you're going to do what I tell you. When you start paying the bills, then you can start telling me what to do. Until you pay the bills, you can't tell me what to do. At a napias day, six years old, she was not ready to give instructions. But in her mind, she felt like she was. How many saints do you know that's like that? They're in the nappies. Uh, you know, you're, you're pastors and you're leaders and they're not ready to lead, but they want to tell you what to do and what they hurt. God, sit yourself down. Don't have me sit you down. You sit down. You're not ready for this. I promise you, you're not. So the, the Bible talks about having the mindset of Christ. And the scripture said, Verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not a robbery to be equal with God, watch this, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. He didn't get a name until he graduated from the Napia stage. Are you with me? He had to go through the Napia stage and he had to submit. And so it's the breaking of your will. Will you say, not my will, but thy will be done. All things being equal, I'm talking about not an abusive environment here. I'm talking about the ultimate environment where there's spiritual maturity of those that are leading you and those that are covering you as well. Now, the characteristics of the Napias, very self-centered and me-oriented, resistant to change. Don't put, a, don't, don't put some boots on that they love 
and you go to take the boots off, they're going to kick and scream. They want to sleep in it. You know, they have their favorite this, the, you know, uh, that's that stage. Don't they're resistant to change, but they're eager to carry out responsibilities. They love to help, but in helping, they're going to make a mess of everything. Put a three to six year old in the kitchen. You know, the egg's going to be broken. The glass is going to be broken. You might even have pieces of glass in your, in, in your pancakes. They, they, they want that. You're going to say, what is that? The eggshell is in there. They want to help, but they don't have the spiritual dexterity yet. So you've got to go through that. This is the best stage in your spiritual growth and maturation to create an appetite and love for learning of the things of God. So between the zero and, and, and between three and six, they're the most spongiest. So they're going to learn. Napius, a Napius would learn to follow rules. They would learn basic principles of their tutor and pedagogue. They would learn how to love God. So the pedagogue would begin to instruct them by uh, uh, teaching them how to bake bread, milk animals, place honey on a stick as it would be instructional for them. They would be taught how to love the bread of life, how to love God, how to love his words and how God's words are as sweet as honey. And they would quickly memorize scriptures between that age in that in, in that time. Matthew 4 and 4 says it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So they'd be taught how to bake bread so that they would learn men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that that proceeded out of the mouth of God. They would learn Psalm 119 verse 103. How sweet are your words unto the taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, then they would learn just basic mathematical principles and they would start with addition. So let's go to second Peter chapter one, verses one to 11. And let's make application of this. As you're in the petty on stage, second Peter one, one to 11 is important for you. The Bible said, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, according to his divine power, has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. I want to start there. So now uh, 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 this, this particular stage would be a stage where you would start addition, not multiplication yet, not quantum leaping. God will start adding, adding, adding to see how you manage and how you, um, you know, uh, respond to the additions and you're going to be tested. So if you're in this particular stage, the first thing you're going to know is how to be diligent in the area of faith, faith. So faith is your foundational stage. Faith can be discerned. If you got faith, you can discern the faith. You know, the Bible said that there were a group of individuals that took their friend to uh, the roof because they couldn't get through the door and they let them down. And the Bible said Jesus saw their faith. So your faith can be discerned. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith pleases God. So the first level of maturation is you're going to want to please God rather than pleasing man. So you're going to find out what God wants and you're going to please him in that. It is interesting when we talk about uh, 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 faith, uh, we have to understand that you're, you're, you're saved because of faith. It's by grace that you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God. Now, the greatest challenge of the church is to convert Christians into believers because we have a lot of Christians that are non-believers, and it's true. 
because you have to believe God. The scripture says, have faith in God. Because if you come to God, you've got to believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the greatest challenge of the church today is to convert Christians into believers. Christians into believers. The, the, the scripture says believers are those that walk by faith, talk by faith, live by faith, work by faith, and they love by faith. Those, those, those are people who are maturing in the things of God. When you work your faith, your faith is going to work for you. Faith without works is dead. And so now it's interesting because when we talk about adding to your faith, the Bible said, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So why is faith important? Faith is important because faith brings meaning to your life. Faith brings you into the realm of God. And the realm of God is the realm of unlimited possibilities and potentiality. Faith not only brings you into the realm of God, faith brings you into the realm of miracles. So if you want miracles in your life, you've got to learn how to walk by faith. And this is all foundational. Faith gives you hope when things seem lost at loss. Faith knows when, when, when to, faith uh, is not circumstantial. So faith can look at circumstances. And when circumstances say no, faith says go. Faith says yes. Faith elevates you into the realm of the supernatural. And it elevates you from the mundane human experience to this profoundly um, wealthy, insanely prosperous realm and lifestyle. That's where faith will take you. Faith is a precursor to all your spiritual experiences. Faith generates growth and development in all areas of your life. Faith brings the, the deepest level of joy when circumstances dictates the deepest level of depression. This is faith. The Bible says faith overcomes the world. So you can overcome by faith. Add to your faith. And I wish that I could talk a little bit more about faith, but, but, but there's different dimensions of faith. You've got saving faith, Ephesians 2 and 8. By grace are we saved through faith. You've got the gift of faith. Ephesians 2 and 8 talks about the gift of faith. 1 John 5 and 4, you've got the gift of faith, which is given to you by the Holy Spirit. So you've got the gift of faith, which is the gift of, of, of this Holy Spirit. And then you've got the fruit of faith. And then you've got the realm of faith. And then you've got the law of faith. So you've got the law of faith, the fruit of faith, the gift of faith, saving faith. You've got all the realm of faith. And so when we talk about faith, we're not just talking about one dimension here. Secondly, the Bible said now, if faith is your foundation, this is where your tutor and your governor is really going to come into um, uh, importance in your life because you're going to add to your faith virtue. So virtue is moral goodness. And this, this means that your life is going to be elevated so that you can walk godly and holy in an ungodly world. Now, if you want to know what this virtue looks like, go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, and we call this the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those are the fruit of the Spirit. So every single day, you have to wake up and you've got to make a choice. And the choice is whether I'm going to live virtuously or carnally. And it's a choice that you make every single day. So what I want you to do is when you wake up in the morning, I want you to wake up to decree, Lord, I choose love. I will let no occasion or action of anyone instigate, precipitate, justify bitterness, hatred, resentment, retaliatory action. Why? Because I choose love. And when I choose to love God, I'm choosing you because you are love. 
Joy is the next virtue that you want. Love, joy, peace, joy. I choose joy for the joy of the Lord is my strength. I choose to put my best foot forward. I choose to squeeze life out of every second, every hour and enjoy the ride in the process. I choose peace because peace is a virtue. I choose peace, the divine peace that passes all understanding. I not only choose peace, I choose patience. I decree and declare, oh God, that while I am waiting for you to answer prayer, I will not be impatient in the process. I decree and declare as I am waiting, I'm going to take the opportunity to pray more, to praise more, to believe more, to study more. For they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle and it takes patience to do that. I choose kindness. This is another virtue. It is the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to be kind to the poor. I'm going to be kind to the orphans. I'm going to be kind to the widows because they are alone. I will give to those who can never repay their favor because I am kind. I will choose to be kind to those that are not kind to me because they're insecure and because they're fearful. And even God, you were kind to me when I did not love you. You showed me your loving kindness. I'm going to choose goodness. I I, I would go without before I take dishonest gain. I will be overlooked before I boast. I will confess before I accuse because I choose goodness. I not only choose goodness, I choose faithfulness. Today, I'm going to keep my promises. I'm going to uh, pay my debtors. My debtors will not regret their trust in lending to me. My associates will not question my word. My family will not question my love. The people around me will not question my promises because I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be gentle because nothing is going to be gained if I'm not gentle. If I raise my voice, it's only to praise you. If I cleanse my fish, it's only to grab a handful of blessing. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be humble. Father, remove the spirit of pride from me. I'm I'm going to have self-control. I'm a spiritual being living in a body and God, you're going to show me how to be, to, to, to be self, how to use self-control. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to thank you in the process at the end of the day, God, because I want to live virtually. Now, add to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge temperance. Temperance is all about self-control. At the end of the day, what is self-control? One of the things that uh, uh, Mike Willis said, he said, it is the dominion which you have over yourself. It is the dominion over your thoughts, the dominion over your words, and the dominion over your action. This is self-control. Self-control is not just action, it's having dominion, controlling your words, as well as your thoughts. I decree and declare, you are not going to let your thoughts just run all over the place and think about anything, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are are praiseworthy, whatsoever things are virtuous. I decree and declare your thoughts are going to be governed by the word of God. I decree that you are going to have self-control. He said, add to your self-control, patience, patience. That's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble or suffering without getting angry, without getting anxious, without getting irritated, without getting um, uh, disturbed or perturbed or upset. I decree and declare an extra dose of patience. I decree you will not be weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you think not. Add to your patience, godliness, godliness. The Bible said godliness with contentment is great gain. That's your ability not only to believe in God, but to reverence his God, to reverence his law and to reverence his character. It is a righteous life. 
I decree and declare that God is making you a godly man and a godly woman and a godly mother and a godly father and a godly businessman and a godly leader. I decree and declare in this stage you are get, being trained how to be, be, be godly. And then you add to godliness, brotherly kindness. This means that you treat everyone on the earth realm as if they're, uh, they are family members. Are you with me? Hallelujah. You are a part of the family of God. And then he said, add to that charity. And you know, the Bible says that love never fails. Love does not give up. Love cares more for others than themselves. Love doesn't want to have what other people have. Love doesn't strut itself. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Love doesn't say me first. Love doesn't keep score. Love doesn't uh, revel when others grovel. Love doesn't take pleasure, hallelujah, in a, a, a lie. It takes pleasure in truth. Love have that puts up with just about anything. Love trusts God. Love, love never looks back. Love keeps the end in view. Love never dies. Add to it love. And at the end of the day, when we talk about Nepios, we are talking about you going to the book of Peter and adding to your faith. And once you add to your faith, you will begin to understand that it is all for you to build character, for you to build capacity, for you to build maturity, so that at the end of your uh, end of the day, when you matriculate and when you graduate, you will begin to understand that you are godly, a, a woman and a man of God, that you have virtue that you are living by, and you live morally every single day because you have the fruit of the spirit Amen. that is accentuated your character and your mindset. This this stage, Napios, is the fourth stage. You know, it's a stage where, where Paul said he didn't want you to be sounding brass and tinkling cymbal, the Napios stage. We see this stage demonstrated as humanity is maturing. They come to a place where they build Babel, Babylon. To Babel is just to talk without thinking, and you're talking without shifting your mind into gear. The Napier stage is to bring the discipline so that you have the mind of Christ, so that God finally can bring you into a position of real submission so that eventually there could be elevation. Amen. The fourth stage of spiritual maturation. The stage will always be attacked by the spirit of nepotism. Be careful if you're in leadership that you've tested and tried the character, the mindset, and the speech of anyone that you put in position, no matter how gifted or talented they are. And then if you are being tested by God and trained by God and matriculated by God and matured by God, when you're in that position, there's always the seduction to run away and you want to, you want to be the boss. And when do you get the chance to be the boss? But the discipline is not there to remove your freedom and liber liberty from you. But like a champion, like an Olympian being trained, Instead of doing this, they do this. Because what God is doing is not only building capacity for future positions of greatness, but he's also refining your gift and refining your character so that at the end, he could present someone of great influence and also someone that is mature enough to fact change on an even larger scale. Here's to a great, great, time in the Lord as the Lord matures you, as he uses governors and tutors, individuals that will challenge your character, individuals that will build capacity for the future great work that God has called you to perform. Let's pray our Father and our God.
We thank you even for this stage, even when Paul said, when I was a child, I understood, I, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. I was unlearned, unskilled, unsophisticated in the things of the Lord. But when I became a man, when I was matriculated through this Napier stage, I put away childish things. I pray, Father, for our ascent into greater realms of authority and power. And those of us that are being tried and tested for the level of our character, and we're being tested for mo what is motivating us, what is inspiring us, why we really want this. You said, Father, that our ear, as long as he's a child, a napius, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but he's under tutors and governors and, uh, until the time appointed of our Father. I thank you now, Father, that it is an appointed time for each one of us to be matriculated to the next stage. And I pray that we would stay in that position of discipline. When, Father, the student is ready, the teacher, their tutor, the governor, appears. And I pray, Father, that this message is like being under a tutor and being under a governor, giving us greater understanding. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.